We're going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit and one of the expressions of the fruit of the Spirit being peace. And I want to look at it in three specific perspectives today. I want to talk about peace with God. I want to talk about peace with ourselves or inner peace. And I want to talk about peace with each other. So let's start by reading again Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. As you'll remember, this passage, this list of the fruit of the Spirit is given to us in the context of um, God speaking through the Apostle Paul wanting to tell the church that there's two ways to live. You can either live in the flesh like God does not exist and you're depending on human effort and power in order to take care of yourselves and accomplish your own desires or with faith in Jesus and justified by the blood of Jesus and under the direction of God and obeying God, you can live by the Spirit. You can walk in the Spirit. And the Spirit will lead you in your life to express His fruit. And the flesh and the Spirit are at war with each other, so much so that a Christian can't actually choose to live a life where they're saying, well, I'm going to take these few expressions of the flesh. I kind of like my envy. I kind of like my divisions. I don't mind a little sensuality. And do that maybe just Monday through Friday, but on the weekends, that spirit time, going to get me some joy, going to get me some kindness. No, 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 no. The flesh is against the spirit. The spirit is against the flesh. And Christians are called to 100% desire and seek to live by the spirit, expressing the fruit of the spirit. And we know we're empowered to do this because by faith in Jesus Christ, our flesh, the flesh that would want to dwell inside of us and express itself, has been crucified with Christ. The power of God has actually changed our relationship to sin by us being born again through faith in Jesus Christ. Before we knew Jesus, flesh was normal and flesh had all the power. But now, in Jesus Christ, we are changed and we have a new relationship where, by the power of God, we can be transformed and we aren't in the same bondage to the flesh as we were before. The flesh has been crucified in Christ. And so today we're looking at peace. Now, peace is a hot commodity, and we want it. Don't you want peace? Don't you like peace? Uh, We don't always do things that promote peace. Maybe we think we're trying to, or maybe we're intending to. It doesn't always work out that way. But peace is one of those things that that people actually value and want. Uh, But it's, it's painfully rare sometimes, isn't it? So let's just start by asking the question, does God want peace for us? Well, in 2 Thessalonians 3.16, you got to watch out for those 3.16 verses. I don't know what it is about 3.16, but so many books in the Bible, 3.16 are awesome verses. 2 Thessalonians 3.16, Paul writes to the church, and this is God speaking through the Apostle Paul in Scripture. So if I say Paul, don't hear the man Paul alone. This is the Holy Spirit of God speaking through Paul. And if you ignore Paul, you are ignoring the Spirit of God. And if you ignore the Spirit of God... You're ignoring the Christ who sent the Spirit of God. And if you're ignoring the Christ who sent the Spirit, you are ignoring the Father himself. So we don't ignore God's word. We want to love it and live by it. The Apostle Paul writes to the church of Thessalonian believers. He says, Now, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace. 
At all times, in every way, the Lord be with you all. And he's writing to a church because they had a problem there in that church. There were a lot of idle people. There were a lot of people who were using Christian theology in order to do no work there. I think they started thinking, well, if Jesus is coming back soon, why should I wash the dishes? And so you had a bunch of loafabouts and layarounds just sitting around, just kind of mooching and milking off of other believers and being a real drag to the faith and the mission of the church. And so Paul says, uh, you need to rebuke these guys, and if they don't respond, then you're welcome to treat them like they're not on the team. Now, of course, that's going to cause some problems. And so Paul's praying for them, or at least it could. It could be unpleasant. It could, there could be trials. And so Paul prays for them. Now, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times, in every way. The Lord be with you all. So I'm asking the question, does God want peace for us as believers? And if you look at this wish from Paul, from God, you would think, you'd have to say yes. The Lord of peace give you peace at all times in every way. Like that's a big thing. That's like, that's like all the time in every way. Like just like it says, that God wants peace for us all the time in every way. Not just a few times and not just in kind of ways. All the time in every way. The prayer of the apostle by the spirit is that we would experience the Lord of peace. Now as a little theological side note. I was thinking about this this morning. Usually in Paul's letters, when he says the Lord, he means Jesus. Usually in Paul's letters, when he's thinking about the Father, he says God. And when he's thinking about the Spirit, he says the Spirit, either the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Christ. And when he's talking about Jesus, he's talk, he's, he'll call him the Lord. And the background there is that in the Old Testament, God revealed himself by a special name. Y-H-W-H, or in Hebrew, yod Hey wah Hey. If they call it the Tetragrammaton, don't let me lose you in all the details. But God had a specific name. But the Hebrews, the Jews, thought that name, over time, they decided that name was so holy that they wouldn't pronounce it. And so when they were reading the scriptures, they would say the, the word Adonai, which meant Lord, instead of the personal name of God, Yahweh, which was translated roughly, I am, or he is. Now that name um, was then translated into Greek, the word kurios. And so for Hebrews and for the Jews, as they would grow up in synagogue, their whole lives, they would hear the name the Lord instead of the personal name of God. But for them, the Lord was the name of God. And so in Paul's letters, he's calling Jesus the personal title of God. So God is the Father, the Lord is Jesus, but it's not a demotion. It's God, God, the God of the Old Testament, Jesus. He is the God of peace. And Paul is praying and wishing that this Lord, Jesus, Jesus of peace, the God of peace, the Lord of peace himself, by his own power and his own will and his unstoppable might and his resurrection, give you peace at all times and in every way. And how is this accomplished? The Lord be with you all through the presence of God, through the presence of Jesus, by the Holy Spirit. May he accomplish peace in your midst. But all I'm trying to do here is answer the question, does God want us to have peace? And I think just from this simple verse, and you can go through the entire, all the letters of Paul, the answer is yes. Yes, 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 he does want peace for us. He wants us to know peace. He wants us to be in peace. He wants us to spread peace. Yes, this is his nature. This is his will. This is why he sent Jesus to die for 
our sins is so that there could be peace. So I want to look at peace, this, the fruit of the Spirit, from three different perspectives. Peace with God, inner peace, peace amongst, in our own self, and peace with others. And I don't want to forget, this is about the Spirit of God producing peace in us and amongst us. Because it would be too simple just to look at this and say, here are seven techniques to achieve peace in your life. And this is everywhere. You know, Facebooks and, and the internet, everyone's selling you peace. You know, peace in a bottle, peace in a jar, peace, peace in a cup, peace in, in some other <laughs> thing you can buy. And we want it so bad when the world's going up and down and relationships are going up and down. Our hearts are broken. We're stressed out. We desire peace so badly. And, and without any criticism or comparison to everything else, today I am drawing your attention to the supernatural peace produced by the Holy Spirit of God as something for us to believe in and want and then to seek by faith. So number one, peace with God. Here's a great verse to explain it, it to us. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's almost unfair to start here, five chapters, or in the beginning of the fifth chapter in Romans, because Paul has been just laboring so hard in the beginnings of this letter to explain how bad things are. And in the first couple of chapters, he's trying to explain things are not at peace. People have sinned. We've fallen. we turned away from God. And we're in this situation that even though the goodness and power of God is on display all the time, you wake up in the morning and there's a sun in the sky. There is this ball of never-ending nuclear explosion, just a raging fury of heat and light and gravity that's going to rain or just run across our sky. And it's so hot and so destructive. We have to be millions of miles away from it, but we're just the right distance so that it's hot enough for us to live without roasting us and it goes down in the night by the spinning of the earth so that it cools off a little bit we don't just all turn into a desert and that's just the sun and, and I don't even know anything about it but we wake up and then we're these human beings that are amazing we can think and feel and want and desire and hate and love and grow hair out of the top of our hair heads and sometimes out of our ears as we get older we're these amazing machines in this amazing world and everything you can think and see and feel is telling you that there is a creator who's amazing, who has gifted us this life. Because we didn't make all this stuff. We can rearrange it and we can build things out of what God has given us. But we are born into this amazing universe that was here before us. And we ought to say, who, 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 who do I thank for all this glory? Who do I kneel down to and say, you are amazing for just what I can see? But instead, our sinful, broken hearts want to smother over the fact that somebody made all this stuff. And instead, we want to worship the stuff itself or we want to worship ourselves. Look how amazing we are. Because we took something God's made and we've made it into something a little bit better. And who needs a God anyways? And I can't see him, so why should I give thanks to him? And the Apostle Paul writes to us that the, the, 
the consequence of wanting to live life without God is that there's no peace. We don't have peace with each other, and we fall into more and more selfish and using relationships that turn into more and more rejecting and broken and violent relationships. And we don't even have peace within ourselves. We, 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 we doubt ourselves and we mistreat ourselves and we don't like ourselves and we break ourselves and we curse ourselves. We can sometimes even kill ourselves. And the point of the first few chapters is this, is if you won't have a great relationship with God, you can't have a relationship with anything else. Because it all belongs to God. And if you reject him, everything's broken. It's the consequence of sin in this life. And then even worse than that is to die in your sin and be divorced from everything forever. Well, Paul goes on to say from there, since we're the problem and everything we do without God kind of makes it worse, we need a salvation that doesn't depend on us. And so he explains that God in his great wisdom and mercy and glory has come in the Lord Jesus Christ and he's died as a sacrifice for sin so that all the sins that we deserve to be punished for, God himself accepted the wrath that we deserved so that there could be forgiveness and so that we can stand before God righteous in his sight instead of guilty in his sight. And then Paul, in the beginnings of chapter 5, starts to explain some of the consequences of God saying, I have suffered for sin, and now if you will believe in me, I will give you the gift of righteousness and forgiveness for free, by grace. And the first thing he says in chapter 5 is, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, therefore... Since we've been made right with God by trusting him. Therefore, since we've been forgiven and brought back home to God by believing him. And not because of our works and not because of our efforts and not because of our triumphs and not because of our strengths and not even because of our weaknesses. Just for trusting God. We have peace with God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because he did it. He did it. He did it. He built the peace. He built the peace. He made the peace. He thought up the peace. He designed the peace. He built the peace with his own son's broken body. And he gives the peace. And so we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. And we have it by faith in him. And this is the source of all of our peace. This is the solid concrete foundation of our faith homes that everything is built upon. That we have peace with God because he chose to have peace with us. Therefore we have it. And all peace in this life, inner peace and peace with other people is going to be the outworking of us knowing our tremendous peace with God. And it's, I kind of think of it like this. Have you ever gotten just kind of engrossed on your your cell phone so that you almost like lose touch with reality maybe you don't do that have you ever tried to have a conversation with somebody who's stuck on their cell phone and you're they're kind of doing this and um oh i got a message just wait a second oh good yeah that's good and you're trying to talk to them hey rob you're still preaching a message here and they're like "Eh, eh, eh, hey hey, rob it's getting awkward Yeah, yeah but i just just let me check Facebook for a second first. 
No, Rob, this is really painful. To be, yeah, you know, just, I, I just, uh. and you know, you get closer and closer, and then you're like, oh, what did that person say there? They, they posted a newspaper that I can't even read, so I'm going to have to click and try to do this thing, and you get closer and closer and closer. Well, that's how we ought to be with our justified by faith peace with God. That we're spending time regularly meditating on it and thinking about it and giving thanks for it and depending on it so much so that it is occupying a ton of our attention in life. So that we don't get so peace robbed by people and our own selves. I have gifted peace from God by faith through Jesus Christ. I have it. It's wonderful. You know what? I wake up in the day and no matter how my body feels, I have peace with God. He's my father and my friend. I wake up into the day and no matter what's happened with the government or the stock market, God and I are still at peace because of Jesus. He's still my father and he's still my friend. I wake up in the morning, I realize God's got troubles and I can hope in God to help me with my troubles because I still have peace with him through my father and my friend. And this is what I see. I see that no matter what happens in the world or with peace people, I have peace with God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ that no one can take away from me. And that's our foundation. I I encourage you to be more and more distracted by your dependence on the peace you have with God. It will by the power of the Holy Spirit, produce his fruit. But let's talk about inner peace. Because when we talk about peace, most of the time we're talking about that peace inside of us, right? Like, oh, I wish I had more peace. You're not talking about your relationships. (laughs) You're just like, I just want to feel better on the inside. I wish there were more peace. You're talking about wars not happening on the other side of the planet? No, I just want to be able to close my eyes at night and fall asleep. This is the one we care about. And there's various reasons. Part of it being in our culture, we are a super psychologically oriented culture. We are obsessed with what's going on inside of us all the time. And we evaluate our own lives by what's going on inside of us, and we evaluate other people by what they make go on inside of us. It's just where we're at, and I don't know if things will ever change, but we should be aware that we are an internally, psychologically obsessed people. And so when we talk about peace, we tend to only think about my feelings of peace. Now, fortunately, the Bible does talk about this. But interestingly, the word in the New Testament that is often used for peace, arene, isn't really very often, if ever. I was looking for an occurrence. I don't know if I've ever found any, but it's not often used to talk about inner peace. It's usually talked about talking about peace with God or peace with other people. It usually means relational peace or harmony or getting along. But the Bible still does talk about inner peace, but when Paul talks about it, he often talks about having rest. And that's what we we are often looking for. I, I need some rest. I need some inner rest. I need my heart rate to calm down. I need my mind to calm down. I need my anxiety levels and my stress levels to come down. We're talking about rest. And and Paul talks about this. I'm going to 2 Corinthians. This is Paul's probably most up and down emotional letter letter. He's going through stuff. In life, he's going through stuff in the church. And so I've got two occurrences here. 
I'll read them for you. Paul's saying, when I came to Troas, that's a city, to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was open for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. And another occurrence in the same letter. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. But we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And so you can kind of see by these passages, Paul is talking about inner peace. The first time he comes to Troas, and he's got lots of work to do. And he's preaching, and he says there was a door open, which means there's fruitful opportunity, things are working. But but Titus isn't there. And they didn't have uh, smartphones, they didn't have phones back then. If you didn't know where somebody was, you didn't know where they they were. Unless that person sent a messenger from another city to come and tell you where they were, which could take days or weeks. So if you didn't know where somebody was when you were expecting them to be there, that was a big deal. Especially back then when any kind of traveling could get you murdered and people just dropped dead from sickness very, very, very often. Um, This was a big deal to Paul. So he's saying, I'm preaching the gospel and I'm working here and I've got fruitful work, but in my spirit, in my inner man, I, I can't find peace. I'm not at rest because I don't know where Titus is. And so he left. He moved on. Because his inner, lack of inner peace meant something to him. And he wanted to respond to that by seeking inner peace. And it wasn't just in that moment to kind of do some deep breathing exercises, which are helpful. He's like, no, I, I actually have a responsibility to find Titus. In the second occurrence, now he's in Macedonia, even when we came into Macedonia, so this is five chapters later, but it looks like it's the same story. Our bodies had no rest. Have you ever experienced your body having no rest? Anybody in the last year ever experienced your body not having any rest? You're up till one and then you're up again at four, or you just got the shimmy shakes for no reason? The Apostle Paul experienced this. My body has no rest. We're afflicted at every turn, fighting without, so there's conflict about the gospel most likely, and fear within, even within himself. This is a good, um, sorry, I'll, I'll just wait that for a sec. But God who comforts the downcast comforted us with the coming of Christ. I, I just want to say a couple things about this. You know, it is easy for us as Christians, if we're not feeling inner turmoil sometimes, and to see somebody else who's feeling inner turmoil, to judge them, criticize them, want to fix them with a cheap verse. I just want to wave my arms for a second here and say, the Apostle Paul, who saw the risen Jesus with his own eyes and literally raised people from the dead and wrote half of the New Testament, tells us that sometimes he felt fear within. Judge away. You think you're better than Paul? Go ahead. Maybe maybe you just need to get in the trenches with Jesus a bit more <laughs> on the front lines until you have an apostolic experience here. And we need to feel this because sometimes when Christians get stuck in a state of anxiety or fear, um, there, there can be judgment that comes on that, that only either from themselves or from other people that doesn't always help. One of the, I read a story recently that reminded me that sometimes you can't even necessarily control what your body does as far as feeling inner peace. You guys know I like reading about Navy SEALs every once in a while, and I was reading an autobiography about one of the world's most famous Navy SEALs. And again, he was talking about going through Heck Week, what they call, 
which is just designed to be as uncomfortable as possible for an entire week, the idea being to get rid of everybody who would ever quit because of physical discomfort and to only have behind people who don't quit even when they have extreme physical discomfort. And this guy was talking about how um, he just hated being cold. He's from Texas. They're in Northern California where the water is not warm. Okay, you go to the ocean in Northern California, it's not warm. It's about as warm as in a lake in Manitoba. It's not warm. And they spend tons of hours just in the water shivering, swimming, shivering, standing, shivering, working, shivering. And if they're out of the water, the instructors have no problem getting a fire hose and pumping that water onto them to keep them cold all the time, including one time this guy was saying he was doing push-ups and they were instructed to never look up. But he, he looked up, and so they started spraying him in the face with a fire hose. And of course, he looked down, and then they're like, what are you doing looking down? You don't turn your face away from the fire hose. And they just kept spraying. He had to do push-ups with a fire hose in his face. This was what his experience was. Now, afterwards, he said, I hated being cold, and we were so cold so often that even years later, I would wake up shivering sometimes because my body would remember being so cold. And bodies remember sometimes. And I just was thinking to myself, if a Navy SEAL who is one of the most unimpacted people by discomfort alive, that's the whole point. When you're a Navy SEAL, you know this person is not impacted by discomfort. If he can have bodily anxiety that wakes him up in the night shivering even when he's warm as his body remembers what it was like to be frozen back then, then how much more so do we need to sometimes have grace for our bodies that remembers trauma? And so I love verse 6 of chapter 7 of 2 Corinthians. What was Paul's response to feeling lack of inner peace? It wasn't to beat himself up or even to declare himself an unbeliever. Instead, he says, Oh, but God, who comforts the downcast? comforted us by the coming of Titus. And what he expresses is like, when you don't have inner peace, turn to the God of comfort. God cares if you have inner peace. He cares. He cared about Paul's lack of inner peace. And Paul, and Paul just in the midst of stuff, didn't quit. So he's a spiritual Navy SEAL, didn't quit. But his eyes were on God. At some time, God will comfort me. God is the Lord of peace and the Father of comfort. And he comforts the downcast. And he comforted us. We, we were in Macedonia experiencing all this trial because we were looking for Titus. Things were good in Troas, but we didn't have Titus. And things were bad in Macedonia. We didn't have Titus. And God comforted us by finally sending Titus to us. And so if you're struggling with lack of inner peace, you have every right to be like the Apostle Paul and look to the God of comfort to comfort you. You don't have to deny it. You don't have to apologize for it. Maybe you did do something you need to apologize for. You can do that. Maybe you did something you need to repent. That could be a different story. But as a son or daughter of God, you have every right to say, God, you're the God of comfort. You comfort the downcast. Lead me to what will comfort me. And don't go looking to self-medicate. Don't say, God doesn't comfort the downcast. I need this. God doesn't comfort the downcast. I need that. Don't run away from God to get your inner peace. Run to him. He is the father of comfort. 
Amen? Well, if you've got peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and you know that inner peace is valuable to God and you can look to him for it, the ultimate overflow and what the fruit of the Spirit is meant to lead to is peace with others. That's the goal. And Jesus prayed that we would love each other and that that love, I'm assuming, would overflow to us having peaceful relationships with each other. One of the missions of the church is to show the world that people can actually get along. Hello? Amen? That's actually one of... The world knows nobody gets along. The world knows that the only thing that keeps peace in the world is nukes and tanks and bombs. Right now, the only reason we have world peace is because, roughly speaking, there's an equal amount of nukes and tanks and bombs, but it may not last. And um, some people think without God, the only thing that gives peace is trying to have everybody have the same amount of money. Guess what happens? Even if right now somebody came along and gave everybody the same amount of money, nobody had any more, nobody had any less, in less than five years, you know what would happen? The people who don't know what to do with money would have no money, and the people who know what to do with money would have most of the money again. And then what would happen is the people without any money would go and attack the people with money. Welcome to human history. We don't get along. And one of the missions of the church is by the power of the Holy Spirit and for the name of Jesus, we are meant to learn how to get along with each other in the church and as well to be peacemakers with those outside of the church. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called what? Sons of God. People who know God. And so again in Romans, this is what the Apostle Paul says. And look for the peace word in here. It's a little bit buried. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. So that's arrogant, proud, you know, better than each other. But associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And you know what? There is so much wisdom in here. There's tons of commands for different angles about where you find yourself in life and who you find yourself relating to. Are you being persecuted? There you are. Are you around people rejoicing? There you are. Are you with weepers? There you are. Are you just with other believers? There you are. Are you tempted to be proud? There you are. Are you tempted to be wise in your own eyes? There you are. Have you just suffered evil? There you are. But the great call is this. As much as it depends on you, For the glory of God and the name of Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, you do your best to live at peace with others. Inside the church and outside as well. One of the things that's happened in our culture, and there's various different reasons, is that we tend to think our sense of peace is the responsibility of other people. I'm a Canadian. So right now, going through COVID, it's the government's job to provide me with a sense of peace one way or the other. And it's my church family's job to provide me with a sense of peace through my church experience. And it's my family's job to provide me with a sense of peace by how they treat me. 
There's various reasons for this. You know what? Not everybody lives like this, and not every culture is like this, but it's part of our individualism and part of our relationship to society, quote-unquote. Our expectation is that other people bear the responsibility for my sense of peace. And when it doesn't happen, then we have the right to do many, many things, usually unpeaceful things, to let people know that they're not doing a good job. That's not the way of Christ. And that's not how the Spirit will teach you to walk as you seek this and embrace this. Instead, the supernatural peace of the Holy Spirit is meant, is, will flow out of people who take responsibility for their own peace in themselves, their own peace with God, and their own peace with other people first. And then when it's not working, and we've done our best, and it's not working to trust God with what's happening. Do you see that here? As far as it depends on you, you live peaceably with all. And then Paul knows what people are going to say, but other people are the problem. Beloved, so friends, friends, love, lovely friends, people I love, family in Christ, beloved, Never avenge yourselves when things go wrong, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. God knows. God knows when we're doing our best and the other people aren't responding well, and he knows how to (laughs) either fix it or fix it. You know what I mean? God knows how to take care of it or to take care of it. And so by faith, we can say, if it doesn't seem to be working, I give it to you, God. I give it to you, God. I give it to you, God. But as believers, people saved by faith and filled with the Spirit, wanting to walk in the Spirit, we never have the right to say, it's not my job to seek the peace. Beloved, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And there's tons of different Commands about how we can accomplish this. But for many of us, it just begins with realizing and accepting the responsibility. So long as I bear the name of Christ, so long as I bear the name Christian, it's my job by the power of the Spirit to seek the peace. With whatever relationships I'm in, to do my part. And to trust God with the response or trust God with the rest. So, let's wrap this up together. Brother and sister, let's put our faith in God. If you don't feel peace and there's peace not around you, this is a faith issue. Let's just say the Holy Spirit is with us for peace. The Holy Spirit is in me for peace. The Holy Spirit's in you for peace. The Holy Spirit is sent in the church for peace. Let's ask him to help us be completely obsessed with the truth that we have real peace with God through Jesus. And wherever you sense in your heart or in your mind or in your spirit, things that start to come up, yeah, buts, yeah, buts, yeah, buts, yeah, buts, don't let them stay there. Those are like rats in your kitchen. You want them dead because every good thing when it comes to peace will flow out of your confidence and thankfulness and joy that the God of the universe loves you. 
And he did everything to make sure that there will forever be peace with you. Don't you want everything God has won for you? Seek it. Ask for it. Where it seems to be a roadblock, confess it. Talk to friends. But let this be our massive obsession. Oh, the God of the universe has won peace for me. I don't want to miss out on anything he has for me. From there, let's learn to steward our inner selves. When we don't have peace, we need to bring it to God. We're allowed to respond to it. We're allowed to come and say, God, would you do what it takes for me to walk in inner peace? Change my mind where my mind's the problem. Change, convict me where I'm the problem. And even, God, address my circumstances where my circumstances are the problem. But I'm trusting you to bring me into inner peace again, to give my soul, my spirit, my body rest. And then from there, let's say, yes, I have a responsibility to be a peacemaker. God, use me for peace. And I am confident in the Lord that if we do these things, we will see great change. It may not be easy. It may be wonderful. Sometimes won't be easy, but it will be the spirit of the living God producing fruit through us and amongst us. Let me pray for you. God, the band can come up. Father, bless my friends. I'm sure all of them at some times just said, I long for greater inner peace. And so, Lord, would you comfort them? Would you do in their midst and in their spirit everything that is good in your sight to bring them deeper inner peace and rest in their souls? Father, convince us. Don't be robbed, Dad, of us knowing for real, for real, what you have done for us through Jesus. Make our faith rise up to what you have accomplished. And Father, would you give us more strategies, more desire for how to make peace and to own the title of peacemaker in our days. In Jesus' name, amen.